and a happy Tuesday to you folks. Top of the morning to you. Do you ever notice that we are pros at reacting to the things in life that are thrown at us? How there's never-ending lists of things to do. We skip lunches, work at our desks, sacrifice sleep, all in the name of what? To what end? Why do we do this? Well, Folks, what if we kind of reversed it a little bit? What if grace and gratitude came first? What if we had grace when dealing with uncertainty? What if we had gratitude before we were ever stressed? What if we were hopeful when dealing with loss? Love before judged and loving before being judged. It just seems everywhere you go, people are writing and reading and talking about grace and gratitude. So the solution is simple. Lead with grace, lead with gratitude, and it will emanate into your world and others like you would never even imagine. Folks, let's get this Tuesday started. All right. It's time to play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Great Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, Tuesday, Tuesday, Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. Sometimes I got to say it Tequila. three times just so I can remember what day it is because <laughs> when you've been working like every day since 2019, yeah. it's hard to remember what day of the week it is. Absolutely. You know what I'm saying there? Yeah. Saying that and saying? when you're up at 2 a.m. texting me, it's like time doesn't matter for you so, anymore. Sometimes man. you have to say, say, and say, and say, and three times just to know if you're awake or asleep. All right, all right, all right. Texting, by the way, is one of our topics today. You did not even see my list. I did not. As I'm holding but up I can here, guess. my list written in my Becker Safety and Supply notepad here. Thank you very much for sending us some extra notepads that came with our sick S-I-K, not S-I-C, as I put on social media, they, our they, sick They are sick, travel like the tumblers. kids say. 32 ounces, too. Is it 32? Yeah, those are nice big Things ones. Things are durable, too, man. Texting etiquette. That's our topic in the next segment, Is by the there way. any? Or it might be in this segment. Right. Well, honestly, we'll get to that in just a second here. Remember, texting etiquette, because I do. I sling texts mm-hmm. all hours of the night. Yeah. And I was texting the um, sophisticated and sexy Sean Forbes, who's also married and is a female, not like Sterling, who's a male. Yeah. And I also text at 3, 4, 5 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. I started thinking about that going, I wonder if there's some sort of texting etiquette involved here. Like, well, in the old days, hey, 10 o'clock was the, was the cutoff yeah. for, for the generalized. Mm-hmm. 9 o'clock if you were uh, Ned Flanders and the Charlie right. Churchgoers. Yep. 11 o'clock if you didn't have parents. Yeah, or and the any, team line. anything after that, and I figured it was an emergency or someone was dead. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there, there was these kind of like you know eighty percent of the population. Ten o'clock mm-hmm. was the standard time. Yeah. That's kind of what I miss, actually. You know, texting is sort of uh, and cell phones in general have just opened that up to you're always available. I look at it this way: you don't have to if you're going to go to sleep, mm-hmm. you don't have to have your phone in the room. I turn mine off when I go to bed. If you're with someone having dinner. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have your phone. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like 
do you really walk around with that rotary dial phone you used to have on the wall? <laughs> you know, one of those things. So I just start slinging texts. Well, then, of course, you know, when I'm texting the opposite sex who's married at 3, 4, 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, see, that can And there's more questions. than Sean Forbes, too. Right, I mean, right, right. You know, I, mean, I'll, I, could I hope you're able to keep those texts straight. So far, I haven't gotten anything that was too risque. No, well, this, this is me working. Right. This is me working. Yeah. But at the same time, all of a sudden, boop, boop, boop. <laughs> Sterling's wife likes, who's texting you? And and now she's just like, what does Jason want? Yeah, what's up with Jason? I mean, eventually, yeah. it get, you know, yeah. things iron out. It's when out. you start texting after 10 a.m. that she'll think something's weird. That was the other thing. It was like, what, 7 a.m. was the kind of the morning okay to call? I usually, from a business point of view, not before 8. Was it 8? Okay. That's me. No, I'm talking about, uh, yeah, the old school yeah. rules. Yeah. Is it eight? Okay. I, I always thought eight because people are going to school, people are going to work, you know. I think it's during the weekend, too. You had to have certain, like, uh, now there Sunday sh- was like, there should be a lawnmower etiquette on Saturday and Sunday. There used Nothing to be- before 10 a.m. Come were, on, damn it. Were you around when the blue law oh, yeah. was actually known as a word? Well, it was. Well, I don't know. It's about still it. a law. Is, yeah, mean, but it's, it's, it's like so defanged. For those kids out there. Yeah, those poor saps. Blue law used to be a thing in my lifetime where businesses could not be open on Sunday mm-hmm. because it was called blue law. I don't know why don't it was know called where blue that law. Comes from. Yeah. Is that church? I don't know. Blue had to do with church? I don't know. I'm going to have to look it up. But now. it had to do with church. Yeah, basically, it was uh, you couldn't sell alcohol on Sunday. And then that was kind of the. Uh, um, Next generation of the blue law, mm-hmm. where Kmart could be open, right? You know, Denny's could be open, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Essentials. Um, well, it started with flat out. You just couldn't be open on Sunday. Yeah. That was the day of rest, day of worship. Mm-hmm. Well, then some constitutionalists and libertarians came forward and said, "Hey, what about us people who like the founding fathers that said we want the separation of church and state?" Yeah. Because remember that the you know the the whole. St- church kind of took over the the government for a while to the point to where you couldn't be open on a sunday yeah and then they had to point out that well uh it really is counter to the constitution jewish so you guys worship on you guys you guys my people (laughs) your people (laughs) uh saturday right saturday right and christians are sunday Mm -hmm. and then there's even a, a friday i think muslim is a friday uh, I'm not 100% sure. Okay, so I apologize if that was sacrilege because yeah. yeah. I'm going from the hemp here. Right, yeah. But I, I was a Sunday school teacher, <laughs> so I did understand some of the stuff at one point. Yeah, but the, usually devoted to your faith, which would have been Catholicism, right? So you yeah, guys we probably were, didn't do a lot of like snap quizzes on quick. We What's were, the Ramadan? We were busy coloring pictures of Noah's Ark and right. making, making some sort of animal out of... Oh, did you, pa- make, did you make macaroni yeah, saints? I, yeah, you we know, used to do that. Anything with a paper plate, macaroni and Markers yep. we made animals Absolutely. with. Oh, and uh, what's the other thing? Cotton balls. Oh, yep. That sort of Big stuff. That the was, cotton balls. That was the majority of my I got Sunday to play school. King Herod in a play. It was kind of, uh, what's the directional daycare might have been. Directional the, daycare. Have been a better term for this. <laughs> well, parents. It's its own form of indoctrination. You know, people talk about you know, socialism creeping into the schools. Well, I went to Sunday school. You went yeah. to Sunday school. That is a level of indoctrination. So there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a sidebar. Yeah. We'll call that here on the Ooh, food life. Play are we hard, drinking already? Work hard morning Sweet. show. No, we're not actually. I thought it was Tequila Tuesday. Well, we should talk a little bit more about this texting yeah. etiquette. You know, I've got you know re- responding back. You know, like there's 
etiquette on that? Do you respond back to everybody? Then it's an endless cycle. Or how quickly? How quickly, you know, and do you, is it a thumbs up? Is that the end of it? Is yeah. it, you know, that sort of thing. So then emojis, you know, me, I sling those suckers around left and right that I should be, I should have my emoji privileges revoked. Yeah, I feel I'm, like you're speaking to me in a language that I can't understand. Well, and that's the thing is that so many people accuse me of having some hidden messages. Mm-hmm. So I do every now and then. Okay. Every now and then, just I'll, spice it up I'll a little tell bit. A story with my emoji. Okay. I still want to know what dolphin poop fire just a means. Beep with them. Okay. <laughs> just to do that, I, I just that was an organic beep, folks. We don't actually have the money for a technical beeper. <laughs> <laughs> have to have some fun on that. <laughs> So I'm curious about some texting yeah. etiquette on what what you might think on that, what what your wife thinks on that, uh, what other people think. I'd on like that. to hear from some of the people that listen to us besides us, uh, because I've noticed creeping in over the last decade a professionalism that. It's stuck to phone and email and text only in emergency Yeah, to texting is now the primary form of communication between me and a lot of my clients. It all happens indirectly. And it's it. There's no grammar. There's no capitalization. There's emojis. There's thumbs ups. It's just interesting how we've the professional standard double space, two spaces after each period, that kind of stuff. Totally out the window, man. I think the little white lies have shifted. I don't mean to be cynical here. Yeah, a little dark. But think about it. Before you could say, I didn't get it. Mm -hmm. Right. Or I haven't gotten it yet. Yeah. You show me the person that doesn't carry their phone with them. Yep. 23 hours a day. Yeah. I'm serious. Like I said, people go to sleep with their phones. Yep. They might have them on the nightstand, but it's right next it's to right them. right there. Okay? Yeah. You see people constantly eating lunch together, mm-hmm. and they're both on their phones. Yeah. Okay? And I'll bet you dollars to donuts. I'm going to put a dollar out right now. You put out the donut. All right, man. I'm not giving you people my who are cream. not texting or watching videos or listening to music, trying to posture themselves as the next hunchback of the Notre Dame. <laughs> Otis, and I, Otis and I go back. I, I hound on him about his posture on the phone because I do not want his muscle memory to be a hunchback of the Notre Dame as he looks down mm-hmm. at his phone all the time. Yeah, right? Absolutely. But I'll bet you dollars to donuts to people talking mm, without their cell phones. Have got their cell phones in their pocket yeah. or in their coat pocket. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So people now have to figure out a lie, a little one. Mm-hmm. Why they didn't get back in adequate well, time? You know, Am see, I right? Do you see what I'm absolutely, saying? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I think there's different grades, right? If oh, I get a text, start with the wife. Well, yeah. Start usually with, that's immediate. The low hanging fruit. Yep. Your wife texts you or your spouse, your significant other. If you do not respond back within when? A half what? hour, an hour? You know, it's nebulous what, because it, it, it depends on what, how quick she needs the response. But there's definitely a timer. Jack there's definitely Bowers, a, there's a, yeah, dude, there's a countdown. Up. No, we're talking 24 minutes. Maybe, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Right. So, okay. And that's only if because I'm riding in an ambulance or something like that. So what is the text? Let's start with the low hanging fruit of the spouse. The spouse texts you. Yeah. What what is your Jack Bauer twenty four hours to stop the nuclear deck nuclear detonation yep. of the spouse not going nuclear to say where are you <laughs> okay so now take that to the world of business right everybody knows when you text somebody or mm-hmm. email them they get it in their hand within thirty seconds of yep. when you do it yep. okay now either 
you are important enough to go to the front of the line, or you, they may get to it when they get yeah, to it. Yeah, and I have found, and I'm guilty of this where I'll forget. Right? It'll come Why in. Why do you think I'm talking about it? I do it too. You yep. do it too. This is this is a conversation that needs to be had. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, sometimes with you know the, the, the midway level there is the good friend where they text you something, you're at work, you see it, forget about it, and like nine hours later you text back, ha ha, you know, that's the conversation continuing right. on. As long as we're having a confession, we'll have a confession, yep. all right? You're big into the confessionals. So, I mean, a single parent, right? Yeah. You know, got got to be the mom, got to be the dad. Well, for a while there, I just submitted and tapped out to just social, mm-hmm. you know, because I just wanted to focus on raising my kid, all this other stuff. So the low-hanging fruit was my kid. Everybody, hey, can you come to my party? Can you come to this gala? Can you come here? Can you come do this? Mm-hmm. What does a parent do for the low-hanging fruit? Can't, kids. Right. X, Y, I mean, just blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So that's what I mean, a little white lie. It's a mm. little lie because you don't actually know if you have a plan with the kids, but you know people are not going to be able to argue spending time with your hey, kids. there's got to be some value there, you know, value add with kids. So that's, being able to use them as an excuse. That's why it's just a little one. Yeah, exactly. It's just a little one. Yeah. So you get back to business. You text somebody, you email them, you call them. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of ways to ignore people today. Yeah, there okay? is. So when that happens, and then you confront them on that, maybe you're aggressive. Maybe you're just trying to be nice. Maybe you just send an email. Whatever the confrontation is, that person has to come back with a a rationale or a reason or excuse why they didn't get back to you. See, for me, it seems like it sloshes around like a half-empty bottle, man. It's like sometimes people are just like, hey, I need you to get back to me right away. And then other times it seems to slosh back to, eh, you know, it's cool. You know, I'll hear back from somebody on a professional level a couple hours later the next day. So in some ways, it seems like we're taking a more relaxed view because we're constantly impacted. I disagree. This. I think we're getting to where these little white lies of standard excuses mm-hmm. are are being accepted as a blanket and and. and they're well, not. It's the boiled but, hams, man. Right. The steamed hams. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's just the continuing Who lie. can be competitive lying? Yeah, right? You're so, like, sorry I didn't get back to you, but I was falling off a building. Oh, that's all right. My car exploded. You know, something like that. It's like when uh, Arrested Development did that, too, where the dad and the son were on mm-hmm. the phone together. Yeah. And they just kept lying just back, back and, forth. and oh, forth. Oh, and then they're they're in the same lie of a traffic accident. Mm-hmm. They're both, <laughs> pretty much they're just they're both <laughs> describing the traffic accident, which is made up. That's when you know you're getting when, yeah. when the lies are just getting out of hand. It's like, oh, I'm caught in a traffic accident. Yeah, I think I'm in that same one. Well, there you see genetics <laughs> at work right there, man, because that's like that's their go-to excuse, right? So you know, I I feel bad because sometimes. I know a lot of business owners, especially, they're just too busy. Mm-hmm. You know, they, 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 unless you're the spouse, get in line, pal. Yeah, and, exactly. And, and, and you're, you're on the checklist of, of no offense priority, just you're not the spouse, you're not the kid. So, well, you, you know. probably get like the, the shotgun sprinkle, right? You get the professional, you get the kid, you get the ex, you get the people like me, you get the girls. 
you know, the ladies yeah, that they, you're chatting they, with. So they are so far down on the totem pole. But so. I was just going to say, you're probably just. And that get- was not an innuendo. Because <laughs> I realized after that came out of my mouth, that could be taken in a couple yeah, ways. Kate's Man Cave is not our current sponsor, but we do appreciate Kate's Man Cave. Oh, she just renewed for next year. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. You can't buy this kind of coverage, man. <laughs> no, but there, it's true, though, because there are some people, though, who get paid to respond back to people. Sure. And they don't. It's a whole industry. And that's the ones I'm talking about. And Mm -hmm. that's actually, we're going to get into our leadership because we're going to do a leadership series here coming up in the next couple of weeks, probably after the Williston Basin Conference. Yeah, we've got a lot on the plate right now, Too much stuff going on. A lot on the plate. Industrial Forest Studios. That's next, by the way. I got our booth number today. So we have the leadership series coming up because I talked to about four, three, I will say four because this person was in leadership too. Okay. Uh, well, I'm talking about business uh, CEOs, uh, COOs, operating COOs, officers, CFOs. Yeah, that you know the the acronym titles, right. the three digits. Is that one calling right now? That's a different bat phone bat call. Phone. And what we talked about is they're getting really upset at these silent leaders, the ones who are paid to mm-hmm. be vocal right now. Mm-hmm. That, that are, are kind of hiding behind COVID and mm-hmm. hiding behind different excuses. Just steamed ham lies. Mm-hmm. Simpsons steamed hams. Yeah. I almost feel like we got to put that clip. I'm sure it's out there. Dude, oh, it's, yeah. And there's, it's got to be, right? Yep. And, and there's a lot of discussion about it the way we're talking about it is the idea of it's just like they're putting out the message of nothingness. It's just nothingness, right? It's a wasting time. Yeah, well, it's, it's just, spinning wheels. It's it's just words. It's just so nothing. in two thousand nine when I lost my business mm-hmm. during that uh, internet boom. Boom. And as you saw, I was one of the first departures. Okay, I saw the handwriting on the wall. Shut it down. Mm-hmm. Lost my business. Over the next ten years, newspapers, magazines, they started going bankrupt, this and that. So I was just one of the first cast offs type of a thing. Okay. So I believe that's kind of the same thing that's going on right now. You think so? I, I and to a certain degree where there's it's because the way they got me was they hemorrhaged us out. They so hemorrhaged us out. Further consolidation. It was a slow bleed. Mm-hmm. And you kept hanging on for hope because our appointed leaders, not elected, right. our appointed leaders that get appointed after the new elected leaders come that still make the six, seven figures, mm-hmm. kept being positive and hopeful, which, by the way, is a disease. Right. Perpetual positivity, that is a disease. That is a mental disorder. I don't want to get too far into that, but that is true. Go look it up. Sure. So when your appointed leaders continually do that, it becomes a form of sediction, sadisticness. Sadi- yep, sadistic. Because what, le- what businesses need is help. They actually need truth. They need, they need the right information to adjust their businesses accordingly. Yeah. Well, in 2009, that was when the housing, not only did the dot-com blow up, but it was the housing blow up too. Well, and there's, you know, that's the thing nowadays is there, there really is just a lack of wanting to take any kind of accountability have you gotten any covid money from the state of north dakota yet no for your business so. for your business no. i'm not talking the 1200 dollars biden no. buck no no man after uh, no no hang on no Just, okay, i did so, not no. no okay but there are some people who have multiple companies that mm-hmm. they don't even really 
operate. They're just on books, paper. Sure. They've gotten several rounds of finance. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's a slow bleed. That is the government choosing certain businesses that can ride through the storm. Well, the other worker hard people, they get slowly bled out. Well, yeah. Because you can't add new business. I was basically... I basically am such a small business that I don't even really count or I don't blip on their radar. You're not essential. And so that's that's what you know really comes home to you as you realize that uh, the government and those services are set up to help, but they're really not set up to help everyone. You've, you've got to be noticed, right? And how do you get noticed? Lobbyist or you're too big to fail or something like that. And these, these, these leaders that are failing right now, I, their excuses are, well, we want to do this, but the other side's blah, blah, blah. That's all it is. Mm-hmm. It's just the other side, blah, blah, blah. So that, we again, can't get this done. That's more theater. That's more theater yeah. because the end result is the same people just got the money. Well, the people that need help, the theater is the part that slowly hemorrhages them them out because now they're caught up in the theater, but the days keep ticking. Yep. The bills keep coming. Today is today is what? The fourth? So we're into a new month now. Yep. New bills are happening for a lot of people. Yeah, and it's such a weird, I don't know, like split contrast because I'm driving around town and there's there's hiring signs everywhere. I mean, it's service stuff, right? It's McDonald's. It's yeah, it's minimum Wendy's. wage. Yeah, but they're 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 yelling, you know, thirteen an hour, fifteen an hour, twenty an hour at a boat dock place. I saw, you know, so there is right now at least our local economies are seemingly there's a lot of demand and not enough workers right mm-hmm. now, obviously. So, you know, you, you get so, that. But on the other side, you get a lot of people that are struggling to pay rent and mortgages. So what's happening there is the, um, they're, they're going to start shaming the small business owners who did not get the big government money mm-hmm. into taking those jobs. And they're going to have to... I was thinking about it. Of course. I was of seriously course, thinking about it. bills. Well, because it's like... You got bills. Yeah. This is happening all over oil and gas. I heard it from three different people last week to where their wives are, are pressuring them to go take the Costco job, mm-hmm. to go take the... What was that one you invented? The dock? Yeah. yeah I mean, putting them, in docks for, for them, 20 it was, an hour. It was sitting at some toll booth down at a dock station on, the, on down in Louisiana. Oh, okay? I can do that. I can but, do that. What's, what's the guy from Better Call Saul? Uh, Mike. Ermin Trout. That was his job. Yeah, that was his job. That was his job, man. That's a great gig. You just sat at the police station or the courthouse stamping. But if that's what's going to pay the bills Mm -hmm. or 60% of the bills, because that's the other part of this is that these small business owners now have to shut down. That's the slow hemorrhage. Well, yeah, none of the, That's the, none of the hiring out. I'm seeing is small business. Now, admittedly, they're going to advertise probably differently. I'm just seeing stuff as I'm driving down the street. But it's made me – it makes me look at it. I'm My business is – this is my busy time. I don't have a lot of free time. But I'm looking at all these signs going, That's an easy job for $15 an hour. I could do it part-time. It's like money left on the table. I almost feel like I should go out and get that Costco job just so I can have a couple hundred extra bucks a month. Why not? Boy, you know? that's – I mean that's 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 the weird dichotomy is that the, from my point of view the the money's out there to get mm-hmm. it's not great money but it's out there you know well you're talking about hourly money yeah when but I have, business owners need to go get entrepreneur yeah, money exactly which there's not a lot of it out there no no there's not that's just it and not try, unless you're giant not and, unless and you're a big company trying to get into a new marketplace. Mm-hmm. 
that is a whole different fact. That's part of the leadership series that we're going to go yeah, down. That's, that's, oh, yeah. That, by the way. That's a whole other chapter folks, now, man. you are going to be amazed at the kangaroo court and uh, just uh, the maze of ridiculousness that you get sent on by your elected officials. Yeah. Holy smokes. And what's amazing to it, like in, say, Moorhead, Minnesota, which is you know Fargo-Moorhead, mm-hmm. the two cities, Moorhead, they direct you to a guy who doesn't even work for the city. He's in charge of the city's... What is he, sitting in the back of a Cadillac named Vinny in a parking lot? Yeah, I need some PPE money. Interesting. <laughs> That's, that is interesting. And, and when you reach out to him, the first thing he says, oh, yeah, we don't work for the city. Oh, yeah, takes away the accountability right, right away. But when you go to the city, everybody directs you to him. So they subcontracted this guy. Six people from the city directed us to that one guy wow. to go to the next step okay. on a project. Huh. And he has nothing to do with the city, and he was at none of the meetings. Did you have to take him a like? That cookie? is a Wizard of Oz that behind is, the scene. Wow. But what, the interesting part is, it's the people behind him. That's, yeah, that's, banks. I'm guessing. Uh, there are a couple, probably lenders of some kind, right? There Financial are a few. institutions. Yeah. We got our booth number at the Williston Basin Conference. Ready for our booth number? Boom! Ooh, what do we got? What do we got? Nine eleven. Oh, jeez. That's our booth number. Okay, we're going to have to spin that to something nice. <laughs> I did already. Okay. At first, I went, oh, okay, that is about the most polarizing number out of all the numbers you could have, except for 420. Yeah, or 666, I suppose. 666. Okay, thank yeah, goodness we yeah, didn't get that. Yeah. So then after I went to the 420 <laughs> right away, thinking, thank goodness we didn't get 420. Because, you know, we like to have fun. Right. We don't Maybe when any, we do a show in Colorado, right? <laughs> we don't need any more help pointing out that we're already having fun, right? So 9-11, I thought, you know what? First responders is the Bach and Barbecue. Boom. So it was kismet. There you go. For Fate. Your, for your kismet. people. Fate. Isn't that, your, isn't that your people? What? Is this your people thing, man? <laughs> I, I you got a little offended, so I had to go with it. Well, kismet, that's, isn't that a uh, Yiddish word? I, you're asking the wrong Jewish guy, man. How do I know more than you on that? Well, because when I was eight years old, we moved to a country where I had to say I wasn't Jewish. That's a good Otherwise, point. we could get kicked out of the country. That's true. And, and, and I lived in a part of the country where... Why didn't know what a dreidel was till I was 18. Dreidel, dreidel, dreidel. Yeah, I had a dreidel when I was a kid. Thank you, South Park. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. See, South Park teaching us every day. <laughs> teaching us about the Mormons, too. So, okay, so maybe what we need to do is have some sort of sign about the Bach and Barbecue first responder thing. Oh, no, I want a first responder at our booth at all times. Okay. I'm just going to tell you right now, that's the goal. I have no idea if it's going to happen. I want a first responder, an EMT, a fireman, a policeman. I don't care. What's the second responder? I don't know. Well, Probably you know, us media jackals. You know what? You can break my kneecap while we're there, and then they'll have to be an EMT. Well, that's just it. If we're the emergency station. Right. Oh, man. That's sure. what I'm saying. By default, if we get the, emerg- if we get the first responder. Uh, you know, I need to recertify, but you probably are first aid certified, the huh? The second responder, the media jackals right there. So we get the, we get the scoop. We get the, sto- the we scoop. We get the scoop. And the first responder, the best social yep. media story. Make oh, you healthy right. and famous. So we got our booth number, 9-11, at the Williston Basin Conference. Yep. Patrick Bertinoli is going to be there as well. Tiffany Steiner, they're both already scheduled to stop by our booth to do some of our reindeer games and have some fun. Have some fun fun. Jenica Hauser's got interviews getting lined up with the CEOs and all the important people. I'm glad she's out there doing that work, man. I know. I'm so glad I don't have to work hard this year. (laughs) 
I got well, I got uh, industrial forest meetings. Yeah, you've got different yeah. kind of work. I got to run a bunch of those, so I might not even have that much play hard time. I mean, if you're going to be there, I might have to schedule my forest meetings, and then you and Sean Forbes host the morning show together. Oh, geez, that's scary. She could just do it alone, man. No, seriously, I'll. No, next to her, I'm just no, a box that to, beeps. She doesn't need to know she oh, can do sorry. that too. Are we, are we on we, the air? We still need to act like we it's do okay. something. Chances are, we're not even recording we right now. We still got to act like we're needed. <laughs> <She's>, <laughs> we're essential. I saw, I saw July in her book. Like, get rid of. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right. So, what do we got here? Okay, oh, I got more people upset at leaders. We we went over that, right? Yeah, we yep. kind of intertwined that. Yep, leadership. Uh, I got the Williston Basin Petroleum lineup. Um, we kind of went over that. I'm going to post that on the website because it's a long list. Like Harold Hama is going to be there, the Continental uh, Resources CEO. Bob Phillips, the uh, CEO of Crestwood, is going to be there as well. Uh, That's so Mike cool. Mike Pompano, the secretary. Mark, Oh, Mike state. Pompeo is going to be That's there. That's it. Former secretary of state. No kidding. What did I say? Pompeo. Pompeo. That's all right. I, I think that's that drink you get as a kid at the at the daycare. Yeah, that was the weird fruit color one, man, Ooh. wasn't it? Yeah, it, it was, was like, like half yogurt, half syrup, uh, half, uh, half. Now, now you're describing kefir. Half beverage dr- drink. <laughs> so anyway, apparently it's one of those mornings here on the Crude Life Morning Show. All right, folks. Somebody wants to shut us up already. Take a brief pause here. When we get back, we're going to get our composure. We're going to do some news. As well as whatever else we got. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Thank you, folks, for sticking with us here and the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard, and see you about six. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by Chewy Paws. All natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs. USA sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z dot com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. It's sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, 
poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Play hard, work hard. Now, let's play hard. Welcome back to the Crude Life Morning Show. Play hard, work hard. My name is Jason Spees. That is Sterling. Hello. Back at it. We're going to get in some news here in just a second. Uh, should mention, did we mention the Industrial Forest Studio? Yeah, we mentioned our booth number. We didn't really talk about the, the really cool setup. Okay, because we are currently constructing the Industrial Forest Studio. We got the Becker Safety and Supply work done. They're the ones who did it. Couldn't really wordsmith that in the moment, could I? There, that's 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 when you realize that your parachute is a backpack. Right, you're like, oh, I knew yeah. I, I knew I forgot to pack that. So we have these new stainless steel tumbler mugs, you know, that were laser engraved. It right. was Becker Safety and Supply did it. So we have more construction items coming in here at the Crude Life as we continue to construct the Industrial Forest Studios. It's gonna be like get- a permanent installation now. I mean, are we gonna have to leave this thing behind? I mean, this thing is solid. You will have to show up to find out. Okay. Booth number 911. <laughs> All right. You uh, get the news ready. I got to take that piece of wood out of Frackleberry Hound's mouth. You I, hear that back there? I, She's yeah. cracking a yeah. stick. I got to get her a chewy paws. Hang on here. <laughs> Go ahead. All right. So we're going to start with a little bit of news coming out of... Uh, Houston. This is from the Houston Chronicle. And the headline reads, this is from their business news, greenhouse gas emissions spike in the Permian Basin as climate change pressure mounts. Interesting headline. Right? So, followed up by this. The worst nightmare nightmare of the oil and gas industry has come true. Okay, is this the subheadline or is this, this the, is the opening paragraph opening paragraph okay boy that's a pretty good opening paragraph Boom, got my attention environmental groups are using satellites to <laughs> observe and report greenhouse gas emissions from their well pads the environmental defense fund or edf harvard university georgia tech and the esron netherlands institute for space research used a European Space Agency detector to take 200,000 readings across the 61,000-square-mile Permian Basin. The average rate of methane emission had recently doubled, according to data published in the journal Science Advances. Two things wow, come to mind. Number one, I hate to say I told you so. But you are. But instead, I'll just step up on my oil drum... And become the shale play prophet again because this is something I I warn the industry about publicly on panels mm-hmm. as well as in speaking engagements that these are the types of tactics that the environmental activists are going to use. They're going to figure out ways to get satellite footage and look at that they did. Yep. Okay, they're going to figure out ways to get real time satellite footage. 
so that they can start picking and choosing things at an aerial. And I thought it was going to be more of the, oh, look at this drought, look at this shrinking mm-hmm. uh, ice cap, that sort of stuff. I knew this was going to eventually come, okay, which is a little bit concerning to me for, for two reasons, okay. Uh, number one is I believe that this is the type of information and the type of energy where abandoned wells should be found. Mm-hmm. So instead of finger-pointing and starting to say, gotcha, gotcha, Start pinpointing where the abandoned wells are. Okay, spend all your your energy there so we can go plug these. I, I'm talking about all over. Yeah. You know, Pennsylvania, Ohio, because if they can get satellite footage in Texas, they can get it in other states too. This is just oh, yeah. a low-hanging fruit here, yeah. Texas. Well, Permian Basin. Permian. You know, it's... Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the other thing, getting back on my oil drum is the shale play profit again. This is just the start, okay? This is the the, the ones that the 5,000-foot view, if you will. What did I mention before is the easy one, if you're an environmentalist, a climate activist, to go get a water bottle, Mm -hmm. a plastic water bottle, with an oil company's logo on it. Right. That's where we're going. Double whammy, man. That's where we're going. Double whammy. This is this is an article of shaming right here that I'm hearing. Go on, go back. Well, this is interesting because they say, uh, you know, from a financial point of view, France and Ireland recently rejected liquefied natural gas shipments from Texas due to concerns over Permian Basin emissions. So, out of this, we're starting to see a new industry. Well, your exports are now being affected if you don't play ball. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Isn't that what you just said? Hey, that's that's what it that's what it sounds like, man. It's that I mean, consolidation. Vinny's in the back, but yeah. I get it, you know. They even make reference to the dreaded ESG. They say super major oil companies including ExxonMobil, BP and Shell want stricter limits on methane to help industry's reputation, but every company should be worried about their rating on environmental, social and governance issues, something Wall Street calls ESG. So, might I pause for a second? Nope. And go back up. I'm going to put another barrel on top of my shale play profit here because this is one of not I told you so. Mm-hmm. This is another warning to the future. ESG rating. I've been talking about this for a year and a half to two years now. What Sterling just said is the media training us, getting us ready for an ESG rating score. What did you just say? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah, well, well, yeah. What was this quote? What was this leadership guy's quote? Uh, Let's see. So the super major oil companies, including ExxonMobil, BP, and Shell, want stricter limits on methane. Okay, right there. To help the industry's reputation. Hang on, right there. The big guys are doing it, so you better too. Next. But every company should be worried about their rating on environmental, social, and governance issues. Sorry, I should have just let you spoke because <laughs> he just flat out said it that, hey, we're all doing it, so you should too. He yep. just, that was in his quote, yep. dude. Yep. Wow. Well, and then everybody's listen. smoking this. You smoke it too. That's, and, that's what's going on. And then, you know, we, we talked about, we talked a couple weeks ago about Occidental starting to change over to carbon capture. Uh-huh. We talked about other 
other industries that are starting to to make that transition. Well, listen to this in Denver. No, no, go back, go back where he said rating. Though he actually says rating. Yeah, in- the rating on the and and then he references because it's still not a common term. He says something Wall Street calls ESG. That's what I'm saying. So he does the word rating and ESG in the same sentence. Yep. That 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 is a training strategy that is being done at a high level in order to get the plebeians like us ready for that ESG score. Yep. Absolutely. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. And and same thing with that article we did yesterday on the LA Times. That was yeah. a total propaganda piece about four seconds of renewable energy. Of complete self-sufficient but renewables. It was, yeah. There were so many <laughs> seeds planted in your head of platitudes. Anyway, sorry, go back to what you were saying about the uh, Occidental. So, so, Occidental. What, so yeah, so what we're seeing is, you know, that shift in industry. But also what we're starting to see, interesting to me, is is new industries that are popping up because that's what's really going to solidify an ESG rating as a mainstay, as, a, as an industry norm. Project Canary, a Denver-based firm, hopes to make a business out of installing sensors on individual well pads and offering real-time monitoring to certify that an operator has adopted best practices. So these pad-level ESG ratings are going to go viral to the energy markets because investors, consumer markets as well, as ultimately the commodity buyers, now want transparency on methane intensity. That's interesting. Yeah. Wow. So, you know. A lot of different ways. Well, just that, another monitoring uh, system, right? Well, there's another way the oil and gas industry is changing because you're getting new ideas. You're getting new cultures coming in. Yeah. When you bring in these sensors and you bring in a lot of the software, we saw it in North Dakota. When you start bringing in something and someone from outside an oil and gas industry, they don't understand how the industry works. Mm-hmm. And so all of a sudden, their ideals start getting bled in. And, they, and then pretty soon, they start controlling. You see what I mean? Because yeah. they, they control the big data. Yeah, and it sounds yeah. like this this uh, company, Product Canary, is already Project Canary already has thirty two firms that it's contracted with, including Chevron, Chesapeake Energy, Bayswater, EQT, Kinder Morgan, and UP Energy. So this is another example that the uh, climate pricing, climate tax debate's over. It really seems like it. I mean, I, I haven't even really heard the debate. It's almost like the debate happened a couple of years ago, and we've just been sort of putting it off and now all of a sudden it's this sort of domino effect i mean they declared a winner somewhere in some it? island end of january we huh? saw the api start talking about acceptable carbon pricing is an acceptable they came future. out they came out um end of january yeah, i want to say it was mid-february mid-february yeah they came out and floated the idea about carbon pricing and carbon tax. Yeah, that they were no longer opposed to it. And I want to say it wasn't even more than 10 days. So I think it was a week. A week later, they came out and endorsed it. Mm -hmm. Because the only reason I know that is because we were the only ones that came out right away. And then DEPA, Domesticated Energy Producers of America. And then I drove down to Tulsa Mm -hmm. to meet with Jerry Simmons. So good timing for that, actually. <laughs> and then right when I got back is when it became yeah public. It was it was, it was pretty much so a complex. The debate was a week. The debate was a week, and the crude life and depot were the only two oil and gas organizations, companies, 
associations, councils, yeah. alliances that even said anything. And, and, and that I saw only two. Yeah, and how many how many companies were had to have been aware this was coming down the pipe, right? You have people that are on board members of DEPA and API that didn't say anything. Well, and you've got to figure it wasn't just like they just dusted off a folder and said, "Okay, it's it's ESG time." You know, it's carbon pricing time. It, it must have been something that they were planning to pull a trigger on. Right, you get a new administration. Boom. I don't understand how we just are like, oh, okay. All the investment in the last ten years to fight carbon pricing in carbon tax. Okay, well, better luck next time. I mean, what? What the? Well, it's that social governance part of the ESG. Is accountability really, that's gone? That's what's driving it. Wow. No, is accountability gone? I is, think it's is, shifting. Is merit gone? Is it? Uh, well, I just don't get it. Well, you know, I think I think one of the biggest problems you have with a lot of this stuff that it, that I have is the shaming aspect. But are the they finger are, pointing? Are they afraid to come out against API? Yeah. Well, exactly. That's what I want to know. If I if I'm paying you as an oil and gas concern, and you're my lobbyist, right? And you probably knew this was going to happen. I mean, what were you telling me up until the day before it happened? That's what I'm saying. Right. So that, you, that goes back to the whole leadership and lack of it. And where's like, the media? Where's the wheels spinning here? Where's the media? I mean, this is a low-hanging fruit of a story for the media, Honestly, man. I haven't seen as much outrage on the more conservative websites that I visit, right? Newsmax, Fox, things like that, uh, that I really was expecting, even on Breitbart. Not, I mean, you get your typical sort of over-the-top stuff, but really not the same type of concern. So it's almost like everybody just woke up one day and said, yeah, I'm tired of fighting about this. I, I think that's exactly yeah. what happened. Is that? Oh no! Actually, what I think happened is that there's a lot of leaders out there that just take marching orders. So they're not leaders. They're they're middle managers. Yeah. They're middle managers. Yeah. They're not leaders. Yeah. Basically, and they're the they, guy that wouldn't let you take lunch. But they portray themselves as leaders. Mm -hmm. Okay. There's a there's all kinds of leadership issues right now in a lot of different areas, from carpetbaggers to grifters and grafters <laughs> to silent leaders. Well, even even the the fake leaders that we have, you know, the opportunists more than leaders, occasionally accidentally back into having to be a leader. You know, yeah. sometimes it'll accidentally happen, right? Nobody would have really pegged George W. Bush as a leader, but when he had to step up, he stepped up and became a leader. You have um you do have leaders that become middle managers, but that's all the expectation is where yeah. they're essentially the first person to lay, raise their hand last or the last person to raise their hand first. You know what I mean? They get kind of everyone just looks at them because mm -hmm. they're the only one with any skill, but they don't want any stress. No. So as soon as any stress comes, they want out. And that's OK, because that was assumed. But there are a lot of people that make five, six, seven figures get paid very well to deal with the stress when it comes so that they can disseminate it out to the people who pay dues yeah. and pay taxes and pay all kinds of things so they can get that information to adjust their life accordingly. See, and, and the biggest problem is, is that their priorities are not our priorities. What's immediate for us is just something think, on their to-do list. Do you think any business right now is going back to their books and redoing their numbers because there's going to be a climate tax next year? Jeez, I have no idea. Because they should be. Yeah. 
honestly, from what I've seen in the last three months, mm-hmm. and if we're going to grab the European model, we should be. Yeah. So, but they're not. Hey, we got to take a pause. Sean Forbes called. I got to take that call. Um, we're going to be back either tomorrow or. Are you taking off? Yeah. Lots to think about, though. All right, folks. We'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard. It's sponsored in part by Chewy Paws, all-natural elk, deer, moose, and caribou antler chews for dogs, USA-sourced premium quality and no preservatives. They love what we do in oil and gas, and all profits go to the dogs. That's Chewy Paws. Check out their website, ChewyPaws.com. That's ChewyPaws with a Z, dot com. The Crude Life, Play Hard, Work Hard, is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. Time now to work hard on the Swan Energy phone lines. Dr. Lawrence C. Scott, um, President Lawrence C. Scott Associates and Professor Emeritus Economics, LSU. Thank you very much for joining the program here today. Of course, Louisiana State, I did want to bring that up for a second or two because uh, in addition to the university, you also assist with the economic forecasting for the state, don't you? That's right. I've been doing that for almost four decades now. We put out the Louisiana Economic Outlook. It's about a 110-page document we put out every October uh, looking at what's going on in the different areas of the state. And, of course, 
we are a very energy-oriented state, so you have to kind of have a sense of what's going on in the oil and gas industry to know what's going on in Louisiana. Well, I think you're actually responsible for a lot of my uh, LG and uh, CNG, all that different knowledge just from our conversations with Lake Charles and the yeah. amount of investment in petrochemicals because I had to do the research and find out feedstock. And, boy, lo and behold, I, I, I thought for a long time that's what they fed to cattle. Nope. <laughs> hey, I grew up in the egg side of the state, you know? <laughs> I understand that, man. I understand that. So uh, I did want to bring you in because, you know, not only do you cover oil and gas and you do a number of different things on the speaking circuit and consulting with oil and gas companies, but you also look at the economy from a 5,000-foot view from a number of different angles. Uh, we're going to talk about the electric vehicle thing in just a second, but I did want to talk about some of the rising costs of lumber, steel. You've got, uh, I was talking to a guy last week, and during our conversation, stainless steel doubled in price and all kinds of different things. So what are you hearing? What are you seeing from the economic side of cost of goods and, and, and services and et cetera? Well, especially on the commodity side, what we're hearing is a lot of prices are going up, and part of that has to do with just shortages. Uh, just the whole supply chain right now is still kind of gummed up as a result of COVID. Uh, for example, it's, it's, it's even if ships, you could get all your ships loaded from China or wherever they're coming and get to the West Coast or down to the port of New Orleans or some other places. Uh, you've, got, you've got to get them unloaded, and there are issues at each one of the ports with that. A lot of ships are stacked up at the uh, ports waiting to be unloaded. And then once they're unloaded, there's there's a, there's a real problem still with trucking. Uh, a lot of the truckers are not back on the road yet. And so there's a real wait time for, for truckers right now. Uh, and as a result, it's just it's really driven up the price of commodities. Whether their commodities are going to be imported or commodities that are uh, already been, even being made, even being made here. So uh, uh, it's, uh, it's just really a mess right now. I know that there's a lumber company, multi-billion dollar lumber company here in Louisiana that makes plywood and oriented strand board, and their, their prices have gone up by a factor of nine. So it's a real mess right now. <clears throat> and also people are coming out, people are coming out of the COVID shutdown, <clears throat> and they are starting to spend. There's a lot of pent-up spending, plus there's all the stimulus money that's been pumped out, just an enormous amount of money that's being pumped into people's uh, pockets right now. That was what I wanted to ask you about, because isn't that going to just naturally going to bring the price of goods up when you pump that much amount of stimulus in? Well, I mean, a lot, as Milton Friedman once said, everything depends on what happens to the money supply, (laughs) what the Fed does with the money supply. So it all depends upon that largely. But right now, if you look at the forecast for inflation, despite the fact that we're having some of these rapid increases in commodity costs, uh, they're not really seeing uh, inflation getting out of control. Nothing like, for example, what we experienced back in the early 80s when the people, some people might be old enough to remember this, the inflation rate got to around 18.5%. But so there's nothing out there on the forecast horizon that we're seeing right now that suggests anything more than maybe 3% or something like that, which would be up from what we've experienced in the last couple of years. But um, right now, no new real damaging 
uh, inflation ahead. And a good way to check that out, by the way, is to look at your interest rates. If interest rates are not increasing sharply, that's an indication that inflation is not increasing sharply. I was going to mention the interest rates, but then I didn't, and then you brought it up, so I'm going to because, um, you know, you mentioned 18% inflation rates. Of course, back in the 80s, you had, what, 15 16 17% interest rates on buying a house. And, yeah, you know, and, and are, are we still at record, you know, interest rates on buying a house? One, two, three, four percent, you know, and so I, I think of where we were before, where we are now, and, you know, I, I'd hate to see, you know, interest rates tickle up a percent or two because that would, that would do quite a bit of halt, too. Well, it would, it would have somewhat, but still, I mean, I, I shared some information at a real estate trends conference I spoke at last week and I was showing them the trend in mortgage interest rates by a quarter going all the way back to 1981 and even though interest rates are expected mortgage interest rates expected to go up about a full percentage point between now and the end of 2022 they're still going to be very low by historical standards still under four percent or four percent or just under four percent and so those are still rates that I don't think will be will not really hurt uh, the the housing market very much, and, and and on top of that, you have a group of people called the millenniums, who are aging now. They are approaching that age when people buy their house for the first time, and there's quite a wave of these people that's going to increase the demand for housing, separate and apart from the increase in the demand for housing that's taking place because of the work from home. Phenomena, which I think will ease some, but not. I don't think we're going to go back to where we were before. Interesting. That's interesting. Yeah, um, especially, if you have, especially if you're in the office business. If you're in the office space business. This is not a happy time for you. Uh, oh, you got to reinvent your business plan. No question you, yeah, about you that. Gotta, you got to think of something. You got to think of something else because uh, there's going to be pretty high vacancy rates going forward. I think if this as this work from home, from home phenomena. Uh, starts to hold on. I know you wanted to talk a little bit about some of the EV vehicles and, and some new news you have and some new information that you've you've gotten, but I wanted to ask you a question first and then transition into uh, uh, your your topic on it. But my, my question is, is uh, when I took a look at the new Biden plan, there was a lot of money being invested into EV vehicles. And a lot of the... Uh, well, Senator Hoven and, and Senator Kramer and Congressman Armstrong in North Dakota were quick to point out that there was more being invested into EV, EV vehicles than roads and bridges and, and that type of infrastructure, which actually tells me that they probably are trying to keep people home by, I don't know, it just if they're going to invest more in the electric side of things and not as much into the uh, infrastructure it just shows where their priorities are or going, I guess. I don't know. How, how are you reading that? Well, I mean, I think this is this is an administration that's very anti-internal uh, combustion engine. They are very much against the internal combustion engine. The person that he put into the head of the Department of Interior, Deb Halen, is very much a strong uh, Green New Deal person. She wants to do away with the internal combustion engine. She wants to stop all drilling and permitting on uh, federal lands and waters, lands being very important to you guys, waters being very important to us. 
so he is putting people in places of power uh, that uh, have bought fully into the climate change uh, uh, being an existential threat issue. And as a result, they're really pushing very hard against the internal combustion engine. So uh, the people in states like your state, my state, Texas, some extent Colorado, and also within the Pennsylvania area, this is not this is not Oklahoma. This is not happy news for us. Just seems like they're going to be really almost getting people to rely on public transportation and a number of different things. Just the, the, reading the tea leaves is all I'm getting at. Is it just seems like yeah, this is well, really ramping up? Yeah, well, it is ramping up, and and I think the only way they're going to be able to get people to start using EVs more and more is to force them to, because people are not going to do this naturally. And they're not going to do it naturally because there are a number of what Daniel Jurgen refers to as gateways. There, 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 are, there are problem areas with the adoption of the EVs uh, uh, widely. One is just the cost of the suckers. Uh, you know, the, I think the Tesla 3 is on the market if you give me a half a second here the tesla 3 is on the market right now for about somewhere between 38 and fifty-five thousand dollars, as compared to a toyota camry which is twenty-five thousand. so they are a lot more expensive that's the first gateway and so there's a whole set of lower to lower middle income families that are simply not going to be able to afford these things so that's one gateway the other gateway is it doesn't matter what your income level is, there is the range anxiety problem, and that is the, the Tesla Model 3 will only go 220 miles before it has to be recharged. And even the other ones, I think there's the Chevy Volt will go 260. There's actually just recently a GM Silver uh, Silverado pickup that will go 400 miles. But, I mean, just for – just. To, give you an idea uh, most of your listeners probably won't grasp this distance but from from baton rouge to shreveport is about 250 miles i was just driving up there the other day uh, to testify the case for some people uh so i would have had to stop somewhere along the way to recharge my car that brings up another problem another gateway problem and that is where the heck would i recharge uh in the city of Baton Rouge, there are only about 24 recharging stations uh, in our, within, within 10 miles of the city center. And most of the charging stations have two plugs, okay? Now, there are, there are 30 companies that provide gasoline. Like Shell has 37 stations in my area. Chevron has 29. There's all kinds of places you can fill up a, a, an internal combustion engine. But to charge a car, just 24 places, and each one of those places may have two plugs. That's all they have. Then the next, the next problem you have is the charging time. Uh, These the stations in Baton Rouge, it'll take you seven hours, seven hours to recharge your Tesla 3. So you can, and, and some of these, most of these, most of your homes are only equipped with electricity plugs to recharge to recharge your car at a rate of 15 to 22 hours so 
with those, those are pretty significant barriers to owning an AV, I would suggest to you. We're taking a road trip down to the Permian Basin, and then we have to go to the Bakken Barbecue. So the first week of July, we've got to go down to the Permian Basin to do speak at a trade show, and then we've got a booth there as well doing some live recording. And they got to drive, uh, drive back, and then uh, that following Friday, I'm emceeing the Bakken Barbecue. So we started to do that exercise last week on our morning show, Play Hard, Work Hard, and after, the, after day one, we left at 7 a.m., ended up in Sioux Falls, which is a four-hour drive, and we rounded up. It was 250 miles, but we said that we'll get there. And then we, and then, and then we had to charge the thing for 10 hours. And, and, I mean, the whole trip down to Texas would have taken like a week and a half. Oh, yeah. It's just, it's just I mean, I, uh, and, that, and what, that, now, now what, what my expectations are that, they're gonna, they're gonna, they're gonna solve. They may be able to solve that problem over time. Uh, uh, we are a nation of smart, clever capitalists, and so my expectations are that they will, they will resolve these problems. But in the meantime, it is, it is, you know, this this transition to EVs is not going to take place quickly. What? Not with those kind of. And, and also, I, I mentioned, forgot to mention one other gateway problem. And that is that if you have to replace the battery in that Tesla 3, 16550 bucks to replace that sucker. Now, that, for that reason, most of these batteries are guaranteed for eight years or 100,000 miles. But uh, in, in, the, in the EV, is a simpler car, so there should be hopefully less trouble with it. But if that battery goes out, you know, prepare yourself because you have to sell part of the house. So, so there's some pretty serious barriers to those suckers just immediately coming in. So the transition time from us to go uh, from EVs to uh, the internal combustion engine, I, I want to suggest to you it's going to take a long time. They're not going to be able to do this for 2030, I don't think. This is just going to take a very long time to convince people to do this. And in many cases, I think the only way you'll convince them to do this is to force them. You're going to have to say... You can no longer have the internal combustion engine. And there's a lot of people in the Biden administration will be perfectly okay with that. And I think Deb Halen will be perfectly okay with just telling you, no more. You can't do this anymore. Well, they might they might tax them into it, too. You know, with well, the new, with the new may, carbon tax yeah. and that. By, by the way, speaking of taxes, how are you going to pay for your roads? Oh, we brought it? that up for years. When you buy a Tesla... <laughs> You, I mean, I'm not sure if they have that fixed in all the counties or not, but that we were harping on that for years because you pay for roads with a gas tax. Yeah. How come by no one's way, talking about that? Yeah. By the way, the folks who want to keep it in the ground and not have any more, you know, oil being produced, uh, how about those rubber tires on that uh, on that EV? How about all the plastic in that EV? How about the windshield wipers? As a matter of fact, when you got up this morning, you brushed your teeth with toothpaste. Guess what? The toothpaste has uh, a petroleum component to it. The toothbrush itself is plastic. Well, guess what? The comb you combed your hair with, the shampoo that you use, the conditioner that you use, I mean, it goes on. And people don't realize how much of petroleum products are involved in their lives, separate and apart from the transportation side. So, I mean, play golf. You know, I'd like to play golf tomorrow. Golf balls have got a petroleum component in it. Basketball. Football, all of those have petroleum components in them. 
So the idea that you can just keep it all on the ground is absurd. I mean, that's just that's just impossible. You might as well give that up. Last question for you here. Uh, Lake Charles update, Louisiana update. What's going on down there? Well, Lake Charles is uh, still struggling. You know, Lake Charles was hit by two hurricanes. And they were they were pretty destructive hurricanes. And um, Lake Charles is the only metropolitan area in the state that is uh, actually worse off than what it was in April of 2020, the, the month of the first complete shutdown. All the other metropolitan areas in the state have improved somewhat. Uh, we, we're about we've gotten back about 44% of all the jobs that we lost. Uh, but we're really being held back by uh, the anti-fossil fuels thing. I mean, we, uh, our, we have a couple of cities like Lafayette and Lake Charles that depend very heavily on um, activity in the Gulf of Mexico. And, of course, there are no lease sales going on right now. He stopped the lease sales, uh, and they're going to study it. And I promise you, when that study comes out, they're going to they're going to come to a conclusion that uh, the, the the feds are not getting what they should be getting uh, in the offshore lease uh, offshore Gulf of Mexico. They're not getting what they should be getting in the federal lands in North Dakota, uh, in Wyoming, and other places. And they're going to use that as a tool to try to shut down the Gulf of Mexico. So things are not going well in the oil patch part of our state. Uh, the only thing that's still going pretty well is the chemical side, uh, which is huge down here because we have access to a lot of good natural gas. Uh, the chemical side is doing well. Uh, LNG exports is doing very well. That's especially important for the Lake Charles area. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, the, we're, we're one of those states that's going to be, that's going to get, we're going to get tagged. We're going to get hit pretty hard by this anti-fossil fuel uh, stuff coming out of the Biden administration. Exclusive interview industry news, environmental innovation at thecrudelife.com. Life with Jason Speece. Thank you for joining the program today. You know, I, I come from an oil background. My family's been in the oil and gas industry for 60 years. I, I think the thing with the younger generation is the younger generation has pretty much bought into the climate change phenomena. They really believe everything that people tell them. We just want to thank everybody that has been so supportive of us, and especially you, Jason. Without, without your help, I don't think our event would be as successful as it is. So I, I don't want to be real critical of them because being a guy who's, you know, dad has several small businesses and, and coming from that sort of small business background, I get it. I mean, the, the, the operators here were put in a real bad position by the state of North Dakota. I'm glad that we've got people like you to pay attention and bring us information on stuff like this. Prices can't go any lower for services. 
I, I, they're, they're too low right now. I, our margins are in the single percentage point if we're lucky, and we're not lucky that often. You're exactly right. ESG is becoming more and more important to shareholders. I can speak for my 20 companies. They take it very serious. Makes perfect sense, and I thought you had a really good show last week. Jason, I love your inquisitive questions because you you ask important questions that that lead to the most important truths. Hey, this is Kevin Kramer representing proudly the state of North Dakota in the United States Senate. Talking to Jason Speece, who's like the best energy interviewer in the world. No one does an interview like Jason Speece. We all like living the crude life, so... <laughs> The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. My name is Jason Spies, and this is the Crude Life Daily Update. On today's episode, we talk with Tom Macero with the Great American Mining Company. In just a moment, part of our exclusive interview with Thomas Macero, Great American Mining Company, right here on the Crude Life Daily Update. Yeah, I mean, you know, Marty uh, Ben, who's on our team, uh, you know, he, he does a lot of podcasts and stuff and such. He he's done a really good job of articulating. There's two parts of bitcoin there's there's bitcoin the kind of currency and so where it's got this deflationary 21 million cap you know uh, limit on all the bitcoin that'll be created so it does create create this like scarcity model and i remember when i you and i chatted one time the light bulb went off you're like i i didn't know that and that kind of changed the game that's one component that's like the money aspect of bitcoin and you know how the supply slowly kind of dwindles out to 21 million. The other component, which you just addressed, is Bitcoin, the monetary network. And so that monetary network is similar to what, it's basically money for the internet, but it's how it's built. It's like the, the same type of infrastructure that email was built on on the internet. It's the native money, native money network for the internet. And so, uh, as mobile device adoption picks up, as our kids, grow up and have their kids digitally this is what they're used to they're not used to that that's how they send money around and so bitcoin was made specifically for that use case so i think it's just growing into the reality of what it is it's like you know no one thought amazon was going to be what amazon is now you just were some you know eclectic group selling books back in the day and to listen to the full-length interview with thomas Cerro with Great American Mining Company, or to check out other exclusive interviews, visit thecrudelife.com. That's thecrudelife.com. While you're at thecrudelife.com, be sure to check out our podcast, social media pages, and much, much more. From the staff here at the Crude Life Daily Update, my name is Jason Spies, asking you to always remember, energy is more than an industry, it's a way of life. The Crude Life is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure 
the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The music heard on the Crude Life Morning Show, Play Hard, Work Hard, is by the Moody River Band. Interested in becoming a sponsor? Email studio at thecrudelife.com. The Crude Life with host Jason Spies. So there's still people without power as of this morning. You know, right now I think there's very limited driving out there in West Texas. They're generating about 5% of the power today uh, in, in Texas. Sensitive microphone because I just poured a glass of water because we don't have running water here yet. I mean, this, is, this has been uh, a very trying week for a lot of people across the state of Texas. Uh, there are, and, and let me just say this, I, I'm sorry that so many Texans were let down by their grid. On the phone talking with us today, Chairman Christy Craddock of the Texas Railroad Commission. We have roughly 470,000 miles of interstate and intrastate pipe and pipelines in Texas and roughly another 500,000 miles of gas utilities uh, lines in Texas. So we have a lot of, and gathering lines are in that 470,000 miles as well. So we have a lot of pipe in Texas. We're the largest pipe state by a six. It, it is a very challenging day in Texas right now. Uh, the grid operator is projecting that nearly three million homes in Texas uh, are without power today, uh, and, and there's it's our snowing here in Lubbock again. I mean, I don't. I thought it was supposed to be sunny today. So I, I'm from Odessa, and that's a, a big part of my district. But I also represent, uh, in addition to Ector County, uh, three other counties in the Permian Basin. So Andrews County, Ector County, Ward County, and Winkler County. But uh, all, all in West Texas, all in the middle of the oil patch. You know, when they close the roads down, we can't transport that. that those uh, those materials and so we can't get the product to uh, where it needs to go to get refined so that we can either one heat our homes or two uh, have fuel for our vehicles um, with pipelines that doesn't really come into effect you know once the pipelines are laid not much can stop that that crude oil or uh, natural gas from getting from point A to point B they are so far behind the curve on getting the storage the battery storage uh, in place to be even be able to handle a, 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 you know, the most minute degree of storage for a case like what happened in Texas. And now it, you know, there's going to be a spotlight on that. And just an incredible impact. We saw nearly 30 gigawatts uh, come offline yesterday. Half of the lodge went without water since Saturday. On Friday, the Railroad Commission uh, took quick action. I know you recently had Chairman Craddock on. We'll have water for until 5 p.m. and then we'll be off again for the night. On Friday, I sent a letter asking the Public Utilities Commission of Texas to rescind its order authorizing uh, these uh, generator, these generators or these providers to increase the rates. You know, I don't know that's true, but I don't think I'd want to be in a hospital in Dallas, Texas, on a on life support and know that wind energy is going to be my source of keeping that machine running, right? J.P. Warren reporting from uh, Houston, Texas at 9, 12 a.m. Uh, I don't even know what day it is right now. I think it's Wednesday. Uh, we ran out of water yesterday. Well, I've had maybe three hours of sleep in three days.
The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... It takes an industry to build a forest. Hey folks, Jason Spies with The Crude Life. Did you know about half the trees planted in the last 20 to 30 years have died within the first year? Lack of watering, transplant shock, special interest groups, poor growing conditions are just a few reasons it takes an industry to build a forest, and that is exactly what the industrial forest does. Sustainability sheds, critical pipeline systems are implemented to ensure the forest survives and absorbs carbon for decades to come. It takes an industry to build a forest. If you're interested in sustainable forests, growing industry jobs, check out theindustrialforest.com. That's theindustrialforest.com. The Crude Life. Play hard, work hard. Is sponsored in part by... For more than 100 years, First International Bank and Trust has been headquartered in western North Dakota, home of the Bakken. Our proven record of mineral management, appraisal, and brokerage services is now enhanced by the only Bakken-specific software, Mineral Tracker. Trust First International Mineral and Land Services and Mineral Tracker to protect your interests and help build and preserve a financial legacy for generations to come.